0: So now is the time to establish our mindfulness with our uh, meditation practice. And with this uh, establishing of mindfulness in the Dhamma practice, there are many methods, uh, many techniques. And of all the many methods and techniques that have been taught, they all come together in making the mind peaceful. It's the nature of these minds of ours that when they encounter sense objects, then the mind uh, proliferates, goes into the past and goes into the future and uh, proliferates in this way. So we train our minds to be mindful in the present moment. In this way, thoughts decrease and become fewer and fewer. The mind becomes still. And the stillness of mind this peacefulness of mind, this is the goal of our meditation practice. When the mind becomes peaceful in this way, then pity and sukha and fullness of heart uh, arise, rapture and happiness of heart arise and these uh, and this rapture has various uh, symptoms that one may experience, such as feeling like the body becomes very large, or the body becomes very tall, and so on. These are all symptoms of rapture. And uh, clear visions or nimittas may arise in the mind. And one practices merely to not be interested in these visions and just come back to the object of one's meditation and establish mindfulness. Establish mindfulness with the body or with the breath or whatever one's meditation object is. And when one practices uh, mindful recollection in this way, then the mind becomes peaceful. In the beginning, one may feel that the practice is difficult, this practice of meditation, sitting in meditation. uh, One feels like it's uh, difficult and unpleasant. Lumpu Cha taught that uh, one may be lazy sometimes, but one must continue to practice all the same. So when sits in meditation, does chanting, spreads loving-kindness to all beings, and the mind becomes peaceful. This is Dhamma practice. And if we practice regularly every day in this way, then when it comes time to meditate, then the mind will naturally want to go and sit in meditation uh, because it's become used to giving itself rest. The mind will wish for this rest and naturally want to meditate and enter this state of peace so we practice to have mindfulness with just one object and mind becomes peaceful happiness and contentedness arise in the mind and it's a happiness and contentedness that we've never felt before it's beyond anything we've experienced in the past this great fullness and pleasure in the heart and this shamatha, this uh, pacification or tranquility practice is the foundation for the arising of wisdom. And sometimes one may also practice uh, wisdom for the development of peacefulness. One develops uh, or practices contemplation, and then, when the mind uses this contemplation and wisdom, the mind then becomes peaceful. Then, this peacefulness in turn becomes the foundation. <coughs> and the cause for further wisdom to arise and this is wisdom arising from meditation practice for instance one may contemplate emptiness one may contemplate the body as empty as all form all materiality whether internal or external to see it all as empty sees all the four elements of earth air fire and water see them as empty and one takes this emptiness as the object of mind. And one can recollect that Nibbana is just this emptiness, uh, empty. And takes this recollection of Nibbana and emptiness as one's mental object. One may even have nibbana, nibbana, nibbana as one's meditation word. And one sees that all internal and all external phenomena, they're all empty. And this uh, gives the heart rest, this lets the heart be at rest. So one sees the body as empty and contemplates in this way, and one recollects this, and this is not wrong. This is a way of practice that one is capable of doing, which is fine to do. And if the mind has liking or disliking, then take care of this first, and then contemplate emptiness. And one can ask, what is one liking and what is one disliking? And just recollect that in truth, there's really no self there that's doing the liking and disliking. And when one has liking, one gets lost in this liking. When one has disliking, the mind gets lost in this disliking. So contemplate this all as empty. There was one uh, great monk at the time of the Buddha, Uh, venerable Moggallat, and he contemplated emptiness as his meditation object. And whether he had liking or disliking, he contemplated this emptiness and he was able to realize arahantship. And suffering was not able to follow his mind because in his heart there was no self left there, and this is the arising of wisdom. So in the beginning, we use a meditation object to make the mind peaceful. And this peacefulness uh, gives rise to wisdom and seeing the truth clearly. And we can even contemplate very subtle things such as emptiness. And in our Dhamma practice, we may also contemplate the unattractive nature of the physical body and contemplate the body as uh, just four elements and see the body clearly as something that's not me, not mine, not a self. This is wisdom arising from Dhamma practice, and the heart becomes empty. And when the mind is truly peaceful, the mind is able to learn that the body is not self. One teaches the mind that the body is not self. And if the mind is truly peaceful, then the mind will believe what one teaches it. This is something that's possible. So practice Dhamma in this way, and this is the middle way of practice, the noble eightfold path. In the way of practice taught at Wat Nong Phupong and the various branches of Wat Nong the monastery of Mung Cha, Mung uh, Cha spoke uh, not very much about the practice. He spoke little. He just would teach to have mindfulness, uh, just that much. When one enters one's dwelling, one bows to the shrine. Upon leaving, one bows again. When one greets the Krubajan, the great teacher, one bows. And this practice of bowing is a great practice to reduce uh, conceit and reduce the sense of self. And one also bows with mindfulness. One practices mindfulness each time and every time one bows. This is also the practice of composure and restraint, to be careful and restrained with one's sila, one's monastic discipline, and the vinya. And this is composure of one's body and speech, one's behavior of body and speech is composed and restrained within the bounds of these disciplines. And for the laity, you uh, practice to be well composed and well restrained within the five precepts. It's normal to have greed, aversion, and delusion. But just keep establishing one's mindfulness and keep training the mind. Keep training the mind to be peaceful, to walk and sit meditation, to have effort in the practice, and to give up the pleasure of eating and the pleasure of sleeping and so on, and to sacrifice this time to go practice meditation. For instance, when lay people come to the monastery to offer food, offer the four requisites and to come chant and meditate. This is the sacrificing, the giving up of time and pleasure and other things to come practice generosity, to practice virtue and to practice meditation. Another example of this is when the relatives come to see uh, individual who's come to ordain When someone ordains at the monastery, their family and other relatives will travel sometimes from very far, even as far away as Bangkok, and even further than that, to come see um, their son or relative who's ordained and to make offerings to undertake the precepts and to meditate. And this is a mind that has merit, a mind that's building goodness, practicing dana, sila, and bhavana, this is the making of goodness, the development of goodness. And the person who's ordained, they practice the monastic uh, disciplines such as alms round and morning, evening chanting and so on. And this is a, a great merit. And this opportunity to ordain is very hard to come by. And when the mother and father come and see, Uh, their child, having ordained in this way, they can feel great rapture and happiness. And they uh, feel that they're a relative of the Buddha's dispensation, since their relative has come to ordain. In the time of the Buddha, King Bimbisara, one of the um, royal disciples of the Buddha, he had this great desire to be a relative of the Buddha's dispensation, but he didn't have any relative who had come to ordain. So when he eventually did have a relative who ordained in the Buddhist dispensation, he felt such a great happiness. He felt that he was a relative of the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha, and he felt very close to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. So we, Anamodana, we rejoice with the goodness of one who's ordained, and we get a portion of this merit, and this is something that's very important. And we continue with our own dhamma practice as well and give rise to knowledge within our own hearts. So we have mindfulness with our bodies uh, sitting here and mindfulness with the various feelings and moods in the heart. And we see that this body is not a me, not a mine, not a self. And this is something the Buddha taught. And sitting here we can feel that we understand this However, later on, when a mood uh, crosses through the mind, then we forget about this and we uh, take the body and think that it's a me, that it's a mine, that it's ours. And we feel this sense of self again because this habit of delusion is very strong in the mind. It's a very strong habit that's been there for a long time. This old view of seeing things as in terms of me and other and me and mine um, this is a view that leads the mind to get lost, and in truth, there really isn't uh, a mirror mind there to be found in the things of this world. So the Buddha taught this way <clears throat> so see all form, all materiality, um, see it as not self, and when we when the mind becomes lost in delusion then When the eye sees any visual form, then a sense of self arises. When we hear words of praise, then we feel happy. And when we hear words of blame, then we feel suffering and unhappy. This is the mind chasing after the moods. So practice um, to become free from fear. To practice giving up, harming anyone. And practice this daily. Just like the sotapanna, one who has entered the stream of dhamma, they are restrained in this way, not indulging in uh, harming any being, and restrained in the five precepts. And one practices not to get lost, not to waste one's time because this opportunity to practice the Dhamma, it's not easy to come by. And one sees that the days are ever passing, they're come and go very quickly. So, seeing this, one is motivated to build goodness, to build merit, to train the mind in generosity, virtue and meditation uh, continuously, and to not miss out on this opportunity. So we train the mind and train it to be to be pure to see Nirvana in the beginning this meditation practice it's hard to come sit meditation it's difficult but we if we practice daily day in and day out, then the mind starts to feel this fullness this happiness the mind feels very light and at ease and we contemplate. Uh, all sense objects, and then we can see clearly. And the seeing clearly, then the mind becomes empty of all uh, sense phenomena, and greed, hatred, and delusion decrease. And if we experience a lot of delusion, then we can contemplate death, contemplate that death is inevitable, life must end in death. And seeing this clearly, then the mind becomes peaceful One contemplates that uh, all lives end in death and therefore one uh, should build goodness build merit such as listening to dhamma and sitting in meditation and doing this and practicing in this way then the mind develops um, from a human state to a higher state to that of a deva or an angel And then at that point, one builds even more goodness and feels um, a great happiness in the heart. And the mind can become clear to the point of seeing all materiality and mentality as ownerless and not me, not mine, not a self. And one believes the teachings of the Buddha because one has seen them for oneself in one's own heart. And this is a characteristic of the Dhamma, of the way things are that it's something to be seen for oneself, to be seen individually by the wise. So we keep practicing and we develop our minds to be higher and higher. Then one day we see the Dhamma tr- clearly and truly. We see the truth. And at this point, this is something that's not difficult. But in the beginning, we feel like it's difficult. We feel like even coming to a sit meditation can be Uh, torturous or painful and many practitioners some practitioners even fast or refrain from lying down for periods of time and doing these ascetic practices they're all for the sake of making the mind peaceful they're all for the sake of bringing the mind past the five hindrances such as uh, sleepiness aversion uh, greed restlessness and uh and drowsiness and doubt and then one sees the fruit of this dhamma practice and in the end then the mind becomes composed and collected in peacefulness so we must be determined to train the mind uh, continuously to practice uh, meditation uh, constantly and consistently and this gives rise to the fruits of the practice for the monastics the monastics have uh, free time and have the time and energy the opportunity uh, to practice and to see the truth of nature to make the mind peaceful and if one comes to ordain for perhaps three or four months this is a really wonderful opportunity a really great chance to develop the mind a chance that's not easy to come by if one lives to 80 or, or even 90 years old, uh, then even within this span of time, the chance to come ordain is very small. So this is a great opportunity to practice the Dhamma. So when one first comes to practice and after one's first uh, come to ordain, the nature of the mind, uh, due to its past conditioning, it's like a piece of wood that's been uh, in water for a long time. Once you take the wood onto dry land, you must wait. You must wait until it dries out in order for the wood to be lit on fire. So in the same way, once the mind has been taken out of the water of all the sense impressions and moods, it takes time for the mind to become uh, dry and light in order uh, for it to become uh, collected and peaceful, and then give rise to wisdom. And for those uh, lay people who have recently ordained and then become monastics, one may have memories of the past and think back to memories of pleasure and ease and happiness uh, in the past when one was a lay person. And in that moment when one is recollecting that pleasure and happiness, one can feel agitated and feel suffering. So one can contemplate and ask oneself, well, if, if it was really so pleasant, then why am I suffering now? And one recollects that this practice of ordination, of coming to ordain, says building a nekama parami, the parami, the spiritual perfection of renunciation. And this is all for the sake of making the mind peaceful. And one can recollect that the bodhisattva, before realizing Buddhahood, he built parami as a bodhisattva, in many, many lifetimes, more lifetimes than one can count. He went to practice uh, meditation and to practice jhana and to build parami over countless lifetimes. So for ourselves, if we've come to ordain for one, two, three or four months, uh, this is a wonderful and great thing to be able to do or coming to ordain for one rain's retreat, this is an immense benefit and a very rare and difficult opportunity to have in one's life. And we can see that as a layperson it's very difficult to find time to practice the Dhamma. It's hard to find the time. And if one's mind is not well established in Dhamma, then the heart gets lost in thinking that Uh, things are a self, a me or a mine. And this thinking of terms of self, this is a cause for suffering, for dukkha to arise. And we can see that what is waiting for us in the future, what's simply old age, sickness, death, and separation from that which is loved, we can see that nothing in this whole world is certain or lasting. And seeing this clearly, then one is heedful in their dhamma practice and one contemplates that the way to cure unwholesome karma is simply this doing of good karma, the doing of merit so to cure negative or painful karma correctly we uh, simply do goodness and do good merit and good karma and one must receive the results of whatever wholesome or unwholesome actions one has done in the past. This is a law of nature, the law of karma. So we do goodness in order to end uh, all, all demerit, all bad karma, and we, to make the mind pure. So we do good, refrain from wrong, and practice to purify the mind. We practice and we contemplate, and we establish our mindfulness daily to develop our minds, a uh, higher and higher may all be well, may you all grow in Dhamma.